listening to Sermons at St. Mary's, homilies of Father Don Nectarius Hawk, recorded live at St. Mary's Antiochian Orthodox Christian Church in Omaha, Nebraska. Reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew. Let us attend the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, and Isaac the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers, and Judah the father of Perez and Zerah by Tamar, and Perez the father of Hezron, and Hezron the father of Aram, and Aram the father of Amminadab, and Amminadab the father of Nashon, and Nashon the father of Salmon, and Salmon the father of Boaz by Rahab, and Boaz the father of Obed by Ruth, and Obed the father of Jesse, and Jesse the father of David the king. And David was the father of Solomon by the wife of Uriah, and Solomon the father of Rehoboam, Rehoboam the father of Abijah, and Abijah the father of Asa, and Asa the father of Jehoshaphat, and Jehoshaphat the father of Joram, and Joram the father of Uzziah, Uzziah the father of Jotham, and Jotham the father of Ahaz, and Ahaz the father of Hezekiah, and Hezekiah the father of Manasseh, and Manasseh the father of Ammon, and Ammon the father of Josiah, Josiah the father of Jeconiah and his brothers, at the time of the deportation to Babylon. And after the deportation to Babylon, Jeconiah was the father of Shealtiel, Shealtiel the father of Zerubbabel, and Zerubbabel the father of Abiud, and Abiud the father of Eliakim, and Eliakim the father of Azor, and Azor the father of Zadok, and Zadok the father of Achim, and Achim the father of Eliud, and Eliud the father of Eleazar, Eleazar the father of Mathan, and Mathan the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born, who is called Christ. So all generations from Abraham to David were 14 generations, from David to the deportation to Babylon, 14 generations. And from the deportation to Babylon to the Christ, 14 generations. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child of the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. 
Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and his name shall be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had born a son. And he called his name Jesus. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Christ is in our midst. Good morning. In a few short days, beloved, our greeting to one another will change. In a few short days, we will commemorate and celebrate with great joy, with great joy and gladness, the pivotal event in all of history, the birth of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. I hope we all have taken the time through this preparation season to really contemplate and meditate and reflect on who He is. He is the I Am, the God of gods, the Lord of lords, the King of kings, the beginning and the end, the Prince of Peace, the mighty God. He is the reason for creation, beloved the one through whom all things were made. In fact, there's a beautiful icon, very colorful, as a matter of fact, that portrays and displays the creation of the world. There's animals, there's vegetation, there's the sky, there's the ground, there's all, all that we see in, with our eyes, our physical eyes. And you know what? Over off in the corner is one who has his hand up, one who is, by his, by his word, creating all. Because he is the Word. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, the Father, God the Father, spoke his Word. And everything came into being. And of course, we know that that Word, as St. John tells us, is not just some kind of concept, not some kind of philosophical, metaphysical truth that we believe in, but it's a person. He is a person. As I said, the great I am, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, all of those titles that we give him, beloved, are truly fitting to the one whom we worship and bow down before every day of our lives. It was he, Christ our God, who spoke from the burning bush. It was he who appeared with the three holy children in the fire. We heard about them this morning in Matins, and we heard about them last week. St. Maximus, the confessor, writes this. He says, Christ is the hidden mystery, the blessed goal, the purpose for which everything was created. With his gaze fixed on this goal, God called all things into existence. The mystery of the incarnation of the Word of God contains in itself the whole meaning of all the symbols and the mysteries in the Scriptures. Whoever knows these mysteries, and especially the mystery of the cross and the tomb, knows the meaning of all things. We hear of a mystery this morning, beloved, in the gospel, all those funny names that we read every year at this time. There's a mystery of, of the physical and the spiritual coming together here in the genealogy. 
The, the, the physical, of course, is to show the humanity, the human origin, the human continuity, the belonging to a certain people or nation, to fathers, even to mothers, to identify the person humanly. That's what one purpose of a genealogy. That's the physical part of this mystery. Yet the spiritual part, genealogies are also in the scriptures to show the absolute and total unwavering fidelity of God, the faithfulness of God to his people. In spite of all of our faithlessness, and there's a whole lot of faithlessness in this genealogy, by the way, if you ever take the time to research it. There's adultery, there's incest, there's all kinds of things that are in this genealogy. Block your ears, little ones. <laughs> but that's the reality, isn't it? That in spite of our human fallenness and our choices even, including yours and mine, to reject God and to be faithless, he is faithful to the end because God simply made promises. We heard about that in the book of Hebrews today in the epistle. And, beloved, God does not change his mind. He doesn't look at us and say, oh, man, you have sinned one too many times, dude. You're, I'm done with you. He doesn't say that ever to us. Ever. In fact, you know, beloved, in our prayers, we should always begin our prayers with thanksgiving to God for his abundant mercy, his abundant loving kindness, his abundant goodness to us in spite of our faithlessness. That's one of the wonderful truths of this feast that we're going to be celebrating in a few days. Our God, once again in a mystery, is being born within us. I don't understand that totally. I mean, I can look at the, at the historical, chronological events and say, yes, this happened then and that happened then according to the stories in the scriptures, which is all the human part. But the mysterious part is ongoing. It's eternal. It's immeasurable because it has its foundation in the love of God. The absolute personal love of God for you and for me. A God who is near to us. A God that forever stands at a distance from his creation is not a God at all. A God who limits his contact with humanity to laws and to books is not a God at all. At least he's not a God of love. <laughs> but the true God is a God primarily and absolutely of love and this he proves by coming to earth by coming into the middle of our existence, into the middle of the misery and the darkness and the sadness and the sorrow and the frustration, everything that we bear in our lives. He came and settled into that, taking on our human nature. He came to meet us face to face, to touch us, to share in all of our joys and sorrows, to care for us and to die for us in order to make it possible for us to share his life in his kingdom, a life that's more beautiful and more abundant, more thrilling, more exciting, more glorious than anything we could ever imagine, beloved. <laughs> the incarnation of the Son of God 
is absolutely essential because had he not become man, we would never be able to know him like this, intimately, personally. He would always remain the God up there, <laughs> transcendent only, never imminent, always the one that's disconnected from us, the unapproachable, the unattainable, the fearful, the capricious judge, the God that we, was all, we would always have to try to satisfy. That's not our God, beloved. That is not our God. Our God is the one that we've looked into his eyes. And we see those human eyes staring back at us. <laughs> Don't we? Those eyes of love, those eyes that have an impenetrable gaze that goes right to the very marrow and joints of our being, as the scripture says. As those eyes look at us, beloved, you and I are compelled to respond. We cannot do anything but respond. And of course, when we have a choice, don't we? Every time that gaze fixes upon us, which is all the time, <laughs> by the way. David says, where can I go to flee from thee? <laughs> if I go to the depths of heaven, thou art there. If I go to the depths of Sheol, you're there as well. You and I can never hide from the gaze of Christ, that loving gaze, those human eyes that are looking at us. And so, as it always is, beloved, every season when we come around to this feast and, and the other feasts of the church, we're called upon to decide, to make a decision whether we're going to fall down on our knees and on our face before that loving gaze and say, Lord, do your work in me. Behold the servant of God. Behold your slave. Be it done to me according to your word. Heal me, Lord. Transform me as I cooperate with you and embrace the lifestyle of repentance. That's, what, that's one of our choices. That's the choice that our Lord obviously desires from us. That's the choice that's always put before us in his holy church. Day in and day out, moment by moment, we have that choice every day. And the beauty and the blessedness and the blessings of that choice are only amplified during seasons like this because as we prepare, our hearts expand, our souls expand. And then, of course, again, we have the other choice, don't we? This is not a static thing either, is it? It doesn't happen like once and for all, I've made this choice and so therefore I'm done. No, it's every day, sometimes moments by moment. We can choose to hide our face from that gaze, as Adam did after Adam and Eve fell in paradise. And the Lord came to them. He who had been in communion with them up until that point said, why are you hiding? Why are you looking away from my face? Why are you not engaging with me eye to eye, heart to heart, soul to soul? And of course we know why, because we know the story. And that's what happens also every time that we stumble and fall as well. We turn our gaze away from those loving eyes. And yet, as I said before, he's there still. He's faithful still. He'll never change his mind about us. So it's up to you and I, beloved, to more consistently as we journey this life to keep our, our eyes connected and engaged with those human loving 
eyes, that gaze, that gaze that brings healing, that gaze, even by its mere, by the mere fact that he's looking at us, that miracle continues to happen within us. So beloved, as we, in the next few days, enter into the real, the real craziness of this feast in the world, <laughs> you know, it's, it's been happening, of course, for the last what, month or so, all over the place. But you and I have been quietly preparing. Quietly preparing once again to fix our eyes upon that babe in the manger. To fix our hearts upon him. To connect with him, to commune with him. To allow him to be born once again anew in our hearts. May it be, beloved, for all of us in a profound and significant and beautiful and yet mysterious way that we might glorify him as not only the newborn king but the king of kings, our king, our lord, our master, the one who loves us with an immeasurable and unlimited love. The one that we would want to have as the goal of our lives Keep our gaze upon him at all times. May it be for the glory of his name. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Christ is in our midst. Thanks for listening. Find us online by searching St. Mary Orthodox Omaha or at facebook.com forward slash stmaryomaha.